Favorite Degenerates back again with another Day One Dolphins podcast hosted by your pro porpoise pal, Ouch. Follow me on Twitter at YFinsYY. Here with me is my multi-talented longtime friend and fellow lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, Chief Sut. Please throw him a follow on Twitter at Chief Sut. Follow our podcast, Twitter at Day One Dolphins, the number one to stay up to date. We're going to get down to it. Today is going to be... Likely the best episode we record. The most exciting episode. We're going to recap that electric win over the Baltimore Ravens. Sut, man, what's going on? How are you feeling? I feel historic, brother. I don't know <laughs> if I could feel any, uh, any better right now. I, I just feel so good. My dad called me as soon as the game ended. And my dad, you met him after, what was it, the Jets game? Yeah. Very uh very reserved guy. Doesn't uh-huh. really get too excited. And he said, What the hell, man? <laughs> that's the that's the best damn dolphins game I've done seen my whole goddamn life. He's like, that's not an exaggeration. I've thought I'm about like, it a couple not, times. He's he's not wrong. Have you ever that was gonna be my first question. Have you ever saw a game like that before? Like like or is that where would you rank that? Number one. Because most of the most people would be like, oh, the Miami Miracle, which, yeah, that was really cool. And that was a battle kind of. But like we won off of a fluke miracle play. And it was a worthless win. Yeah. You know, all it did was like mess up their playoff seating, which ultimately might have hurt them for real. OK, but yeah, I forgot. It was either that way. Year. Yeah. Either way. Doesn't matter. Um, this game, we had to like actually show up we had to actually get defensive stops when it mattered and at one point we needed to get a stop Lamar housed it for what 60 70 yards and then we came right back and answered and continued to answer and continued to play defense like we haven't had a team that did that on both sides of the ball since I've been alive like we've had we've had it where the defense shows up and they do everything they're supposed to but Ryan Tannehill just couldn't get it done in the fourth quarter or whatever it was. He just didn't yeah. have that dog in him. Like, I'm watching. I'm watching Ryan Tannehill right now on the side monitor, and also not get the job done. Every time I see his name, I just think about Booger McFarland. Now he always says Tannehill. Yeah, <laughs> with a Louis Vuitton scarf on out in the cold. They don't even let him in the box with everybody else because he's probably just like an overly friendly, annoying guy. They moved Booger to just work with Boomer. He just does the Monday Night Countdown <laughs> thing with Boomer guys, now. Dude. Yeah, they're like, you know what? You can work with Boom. You, you, you're harmless, and you know, <laughs> you're good for the social media. You're uh, memeable. So, second question here. Let's actually let's just start with the first half of the game. Um, yeah. they had us in the first half. Ouch! I ain't gonna lie. Yeah. <laughs> Multiple <laughs> things to talk about in the first half here. First being, um, I will not forget those of you that were photoshopping. Dolphins uniforms onto Lamar Jackson mid-game and already ready to throw the towel in on your Miami Dolphins and Tua because you saw a contested throw bounce off of Tyreek Hill's hands and end up 
wildly intercepted. It didn't even look like an interception that like should have happened. It looked like the ty- the type of risk that you take. It fell and he caught it like between his arm and his ass cheek to make the interception. And you guys just rode off the Dolphins entirely against a good team on the road after a win the week prior. That being said, um, if we really break down why the first half went the way that it did, what would you say, Sut? I would say no one expects for the opening kickoff to get returned for a touchdown, ever. So right there, you're at a deficit, which is no big deal. Maybe changes the game plan a little bit. Maybe, you know, a little bit less running early on. Let's try to get the pass game going. But I think the way that people instantly freaked out when the interception happened, our group text being a prime example, I didn't even have to go on Twitter. Like, I knew, oh, here it goes. We're about to go down 14 nothing, and it's going to be another 40-point blowout, and Lamar Jackson's just the best thing ever, and it's time to move on from Tua. And I'm not going to lie, when he threw the second interception, I started feeling like, ah, man, I don't know. Like, we're obviously still in this game. We've come a long way from when Lamar was hanging 21 points on his first three throws against us. But ah, we're going to need a little bit more out of the two of man. Yeah. So that that's where my head was at the whole time. I, I'll be honest, I never really wavered, but I did get nervous. I'm like... For some reason, I just feel like we're still in this. And I think it's the way the team just kept fighting. I'm seeing Alec Ingold at the second and third levels throwing blocks. I'm seeing receivers at the second, third level. I'm seeing Tua after guys drop the ball. He's going to the sideline and getting them and running them back to the huddle with him. Like, that's the kind of that, like, people don't pay attention to, but that's what the elite teams do. So I had, I had hope the whole time. They never gave up, and you could tell they never gave up. It definitely looked like a team that had the confidence and belief that they could still compete. I think there was a lot of miscommunication in the first half. What the Ravens were doing to them, it was it was very disheartening. To start the game at the 15-minute mark and then it be 0-7 to seven immediately, and just the way that the Ravens were scoring were very, very, like... Um, disheartening types of of scores like it seemed like every time you inched your head back in the game they just made it look like it was that easy for them to change change how you felt and um there was a lot of missed blocks in the first half i mean there's one that's that 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 durham smythe with uh whiff on the left side to ultimately end up in a two a sack was just that egregious. Was I mean, he dove like a foot to the left of who he was st- supposed to block t- at their feet. Like, it was just terrible. The guy just looked down and was like, uh, all right, I guess I'll sack him. I also noticed, you know, we, we couldn't really get the run game going much like last week. McDaniel seems to call plays in the first half to set himself up for success in the second half. He calls plays that ultimately don't work. And then he watches how the defense reacts to it. And then he takes his notes and he says, okay, we're going to circle back to that one later. And then he actually follows through with it. And the, it sounds like it's something that every coach should do and it should be easy. But it's a lot harder, you know, to do it than it is to say it. A lot of coaches do it with gimmicks, though. And they try to just do it with, like, the reverses and the little jet passes and, like, all the little he does it with everything. And it's the timing. It's not just that. It's when he's calling it. Yeah, bro. He'll have the offensive line mid like flowing like it's a run play and then throw a screen to the other side. 
And then in the fourth quarter, he actually hands that to Chase Edmonds and it busts for 15. Like the whole, you watch the whole defense swing thinking it's going to the left and it's going to be another screen and like, boom, right up the gut. Huge block from Greg Little on that too. But like, oh man, he had some nice ones. He really, really played. We were talking about how worried we were because, you know, uh, the difference between how he looked after he hurt his ankle. He didn't even mm-hmm. look like the same player in the first half, but man, oh, to yeah. see they some get- <laughs> of these players we thought were bad take a step in the blocking game because of uh, probably the coaching is yeah. just so nice to see. Like your depth pieces aren't an emergency. Holy hell, we need to just let, you know, like meltdown. This is the end of the world. Like now backup players can come in, whether it's a backup corner or a backup tackle or a backup running back or any of these guys they're so much like better suited to continue on in the role that they need to be playing in our in the game that we're in than in past seasons past years under past coaching staffs like the drop off when somebody would get injured and come in was huge this year it's just like we can still compete it's all good the next guy up is capable it's not like the next guy up is like ah now we have like uh, a spot to fill almost and people kind of forget Tyree kill was out for a little bit cramping to say and look what and happened like, waddle was playing perfectly fine without him there you saw river craycraft come in make plenty of plays and even another guy that like even the plays where he wasn't thrown the ball you're seeing him downfield blocking a corner blocking a safety grabbing a linebacker like trying to do what he can and I'll say every single one of those San Francisco 49ers editions, they came here to play football. They got added to a team that was drafted. I'll say Flores did go out of his way to make sure the guys that he drafted loved playing football. And then all these Niner guys just come in and they also love it. Like it's it's a dangerous combination. And I know we're doing the the review show, not the preview show, but the preview episode is going to be fun because this is this is probably the biggest week three I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, but that's but, because we had such a great week two and like a solid week one. Like, I know I know my 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 three and one four and zero oh early prediction was looking sketchy a couple months ago. Sure was. Now, now people want to smoke my. Feel me? Hey, I said to I said we were gonna win the first two games. I said we yeah. were gonna. I called the Ravens game preseason predictions. Go back; it's there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the RPO game that we have now with Tua looks like a grown-up version of the RPO that we saw last season, which was also decent. Um, decent. Right now, it is dialed in. I mean, and it did, and it didn't matter if the read was Hill or Waddle or even Gasicki on one play, like. I was thought just we disgusting were disgusting with it. Yeah, I didn't realize the extent, the extent of the value in Tua and his ability to look off defenders. You know, mm-hmm. you've seen it since college. You know, he looks off the safety, and that's kind of his thing. It almost worried me at one point when he was younger. I'm like, is this dude just like really like like an MLB pitcher, like where he just looks the other way and then snaps his head and goes boom and fires, and that's all. Yes. That's his one. You know, that's his one trick pony thing that he can do. And now watching it happen on a different level in the RPO game, I mean, he is selling fakes to the cameramen, to the people that are videotaping the NFL game for us. The way that he looks 
left and then just turns around and boom, just slings it two yards in front of him the other direction. I don't care if that doesn't impress people. Every quarterback does it, and if you put every single quarterback on the screen at once doing it, I'll tell you who does it the best. Uh, it will show you, and it's 100% Tua. You can look pound for pound at, let's just take Jalen Waddle as the example. Let's look at his yards per catch per game and like the kind of looks he was getting in the RPO we were running last year, you know? When he gets the ball now is four yards farther than when he would get the ball beforehand. And he's catching it in stride every single time. And if it's not to him, it's the cheetah who's also catching it right in stride every time making a move. So now we have double the threats that we had last year running a system better than we ran last year that's designed for our quarterback. And our quarterback showed yesterday like what it looks like when it's ran to perfection. And that wasn't even perfection in the first half. That was just a perfect second half. If he ran that in two halves, you're no longer calling Tyreek Hill for crazy for the Patrick Mahomes comparison because he really was that accurate on all those throws, especially the touchdown throws in the red zone. That's, again, we want to talk about other quarterbacks and on Tua every chance we can get. You looked at Justin Herbert in the red zone on Thursday, and you look at what Tua did in the red zone. That's two completely different quarterbacks, bro. And Don't even take- compare my quarterback to somebody that's thrown 12 fourth quarter interceptions. I don't think Tua has that in his career, bro. Come on now. To somebody that's thrown four pick sixes in the fourth quarter. Don't don't even I want to tell you don't some do it fun, ever again. Yeah, never again, at least not on the podcast. But I want to go ahead and while we're talking about that, it would be a good time to talk about the same stats that we've talked about in the past. Um, we've read them off to everybody and the difference is, is that these stat lines that support what we think Tua is good at didn't seem as in, I I mean, important, important's the word important, I guess. Yeah. It didn't seem like the appropriate, um, unit of measure. (laughs) Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't a good measurement because it was one of the only metrics that we had. If you were kind of pro Tua was his efficiency his completion percentage in the fourth quarter was better than anyone else's his red zone efficiency in the fourth quarter was like i mean leads nfl like all time history ever and his efficiency after throwing an interception all of those things point to in a borderline immeasurable metric of him being clutch Whatever the measurement for clutches and crunch time, it's those three things. Red zone efficiency in the fourth quarter, completion percentage in the fourth quarter, touchdown percentage in the fourth quarter. Uh, Here's career rushing and passing splits from 1994 to 2022 for QB Tua Tagovailoa. Fourth quarter touchdown percentage, he ranks number one in that span. Fourth quarter completion percentage, he ranks number one in that span. Fourth quarter first down percentage, he ranks number two all-time in that span. Fourth quarter passer rating, all-time since 1994, he ranks fourth. Fourth quarter net yards per play, he ranks fifth all-time. Fourth quarter sack avoidance percentage, he he, he is 14th all-time. Get him. I mean, we can go through the same thing for other quarterbacks. Now, these stats are complement to the 
follow I always shout out. He also has a podcast, Three Yards Per Carry, but Chris Kaufman. He's he, he's just yep. so fun with the stat lines that he posts. Career rushing and passing splits from 1994 to 2022 22 for another quarterback. We're going to do it for um, let's Justin Herbert. Fourth quarter percentage, uh, touchdown percentage, he ranks 44th in that span. Fourth quarter per- completion percentage, 22nd in that span. First down Not percentage. Bad. Fourth quarter first down percentage, 18th. Fourth, fourth quarter passer rating, 30th. Fourth quarter net yards per play, 16th. Fourth quarter sack avoidance percentage, 17th. He's better in every metric there. Mac every Jones, in order. We can say the same thing. It goes touchdown percentage, completion percentage, first down percentage, passer rating, net yards per play, sack avoidance. 35th, 45th, 12th, 21st, 34th, and then sack avoidance. Mac actually is pretty good at 5th. All, all, now, I will say, all of those are pretty good when you think about how many quarterbacks there have been since 1994. Absolutely. In, in Herbert's defense and in Mac Jones's defense. But, bro, Tua's literally top five in every single category. Tua's like, number one. In most of them. He's number number one and two in the first three. Joe Burrow is, number, is the person that's number one above Tua where he ranks number two on first down percentage, but he's not close in any of the other ones. Jalen Hurts, not even the, the closest he is to anything is touchdown percentage in the fourth quarter, and he ranks 20th. And then just for shits and giggles, Chris Sims, who had Tua ranked as the 40th best quarterback coming into this season, his fourth quarter touchdown percentage ranks 235th, his fourth quarter completion percentage ranks 152nd. His fourth quarter first down percentage ranks 182nd. His fourth quarter passer rating ranks 216th. His average net yards per play in the fourth quarter 218th. And then his fourth quarter sack avoidance percentage at 198th. You could say Chris Sims is dog comfortably. Comfortably. He couldn't hold to his jock strap when it he comes to hold any of this. Max. Yeah. So, just some context <laughs> to put everything in 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 context and the correct perspective when it comes to what this guy that we have as our signal caller turns into when the fourth quarter comes around. And I think there's one huge thing that we're leaving out when you talk about all that as well is he also does it when there's three minutes left on the clock in the first half, and you give him the ball. Because that man turns it on, and he either gets a field goal or a touchdown out of it nine times out of ten. Yeah, I mean, he's just – people made fun of him for being efficient, and the efficiency wasn't enough because, you know. We didn't have big playmakers, bro. Now that he has the efficiency and the ability for any play to go to the house, it's – it's bro, it's Alabama Tua. That's what he had there. That's what made him so great. Like, it just shines a light on his ability to just make everybody else great and enable them. He gives them the ability to catch the ball in stride and keep going. Or when they beat a corner one-on-one, he knows that pre-snap and they're getting the ball as soon as it's, like, logical. Like, you watched him execute that over and over again. So, well, I guess one more fun stat I'll give you real quick, and then we'll, I'll ask you to rate to a 1-10 to 10 on the game here. Yeah. Players that have had 450-plus pass yards... Six touchdowns passing in a single game for the last 10 seasons. There have been five. Peyton Manning did it week one in 2013 on the Broncos. You know what year that was. Super Big Ben, year. he did it week eight 
2014. If I'm not mistaken, the Steelers were quite competitive then. Drew Brees, he did it week 8, 2015. I was waiting for Drew. Patrick Mahomes did it week 11, 2018. And Tua Tagovailoa did it week 2 yesterday. Um, Damn. Good company, man. Uh, what would you and say? it's not a fluke. No, not at all. It's It was just what we've been banging, pounding the table, saying his ceiling looks like. And this yeah, isn't to say that we don't want him to be... We expect consistency out of him. But that should have been the worry all along. There never should have been this narrative about him being bad. It should have been, hey, we need you to consistently be good, and we'd like Mm -hmm. to see a spike in where your ceiling is. Well, it was a volcanic eruption to see where his ceiling is. Now, as fans who know that he doesn't suck and everyone that thought he did is a buffoon, we just hope (laughs) to see some consistency out of the young kid moving forward. An absolute buffoon. Yeah. You all look silly, and I hope you feel silly. Because uh, if you want me to put a grade on it, I gave him a 6.5 last week. Week one, we both gave him about that. This week, um, if we're going to put the full game into account, I'm giving the mother a 10. Okay. He came back back from a deficit that in 711 tries, nobody else did. And he did it. He executed it. It wasn't the run game. It wasn't anything but him finding the guys, getting the ball to the right people. What would you give it on a scale of 1 to 10 then? Um, I'm going to treat it like how I do when I rank pizza. Anything else, I would love to give him a perfect 10, but he, he wasn't perfect. That first half, there were a couple mistakes on his part. I think there was a miscommunication with that Jalen Waddle interception. I think that it was a very risky throw that looked even worse because for some reason Jalen Waddle slowed down. Definitely still to his fault. Um, yep. I'm going to give him a 9, which is close to perfect, but I do believe Tua can have a perfect game. I mean, I'm right now, Monday Night Football, I'm watching Jalen Hurts have very close to a perfect game. He's he's 10 for 10 with two touchdowns and some rushing yards, you know, so Yeah, there he is just a, rushed one in from like 25 yards as well and trucked the safety to finish it. Yeah, he looks. He's good for him. He's having a good game too. Um, glad yeah, that to his to his backup. Division. Great guy. Yeah. So you can only imagine. But I it just goes to show. You know, it's not. He, he didn't have a perfect game. He had a very exciting game. But a nine out of ten is better than just about every quarterback that's probably playing this week. So uh, it still should something to be proud of. And I hope that we I can give him a ten here one one time this week. I mean, one time yeah. this season. Yeah, f*** you. I'm giving him a 10. Hey, do it. I respect that as well. First half, honestly, hard five, and that's being friendly. Uh, I'm not blaming him for the first interception. Um, I think he was playing, like, pretty conservatively in the first half, but he was taking what was given to him, which wasn't much. And uh, I don't fault him for the first interception, but the leadership that he showed in the second half, his ability to push the ball upfield, his ability to just, like... I guess the only way to put it is his ability to win, bro. Like, yeah, that that was a magical performance. His fourth quarter alone was a 12 out of 10. So, like, that's going to boost his numbers. So I'm going to give my man a 10. Like, what's going to be a 10 for you? Like a 600 yard game with eight touchdowns and no interceptions. Like, I don't give a like stats. (laughs) Not that he could have thrown for one. He could have thrown for two touchdowns at two touchdowns and 250 yards. And I could have given him a 10. But, you know, it just, Stats it just lie. It wasn't perfect. The eye, the eye in the sky don't lie. That man in the fourth quarter was perfect. 
that boy pulled off the greatest win we've ever seen, the greatest, the craziest comeback we've seen in Dolphins yeah. fandom. And uh, I'm giving him a 10 because he deserves it. He deserves everything this week. Hi, people up to a keep doing what you're doing. Don't slow down because, bro, everybody's waiting for you to slip. One week they can't wait to say it was. A oh flip. yeah, they can't they wait can't to say it was whatever. Lynn Sandy run. Tua had a Lynn Sandy run. I already yeah, know. Everyone's good for one game. Like even yeah, a dead no. squirrel's right twice a year. Yeah, whatever you got to I say. I already saw. I already saw it once today. They're like, damn, Tua has one game like Herbert has, and uh, y'all want to crown his ass. And I'm like, really? It was in convincing fashion. I'll I'll give him that. But Herbert ain't never had a comeback like that. Suck. Let's talk about <laughs> the things that the things that have been said that that Tua can't do. We've seen him throw the ball. We know he has the arm, right? Um, yep. And you're crazy if you think he doesn't. Now, does he have a cannon? No. But does he have an NFL arm without a single doubt? Absolutely. You're wild yep. if you think otherwise. So moving forward, um, his leadership that comes into question. He's not a leader of men. He can't control. He can't take control of the huddle. His teammates think he's weird. What? Like, you guys just started reaching for at some points because you had nothing to go off of? None of his teammates ever thought he was weird. All of his teammates have always with him. What did his teammates say after this game? What was Jalen Waddle's uh, report about how he handled that end of that game? Oh, he had everybody running up to the line, making sure they're giving the ball to Connor and making sure they're doing everything that they're supposed to do and, like... Give it to the referee. <laughs> make sure that we're ready to run the next play. Bro... Telling like, people where they need to be in the motion, correcting which side the running back's supposed to be on before the play starts. You know what I mean? Like that winners do. You saw the play where Tyree Kill was like pretty gassed. It was like driving down there. He had to hit like two, three plays in a row. And he went to run off and Tua waved him off and he literally crawled off the sideline and they just ran somebody else in. Yeah. And I'm like So they didn't have too many men on the field and they could run the next play. These what about boys uh want it? Gives me chills. Gives me chills hearing this directly afterwards. That 19 seconds left on the clock in the huddle. Tua looks at everybody and he says, look, man, it's either us or them. That's it. End of story. It's either us or it's them. It could gave me goosebumps after the game. Jalen Waddle said that fired him up and boom, what happened? Tua to Jalen Waddle for the, for the game-winning walk-off touchdown. That's some cold-ass bro. Real, real cold icing your veins to a man. Really, That's to a T. They try to tell you about to a T. They told you all preseason about to a T. Said he wasn't a leader. I don't know about it. You know? I, don't, I, don't, hey, I don't look like a pretty good leader to me. So now let's talk about some of the things that, if this wasn't an extremely exciting game and you just were to analyze it, that we should be concerned about with our team moving forward. Not even concerned, but things that stuck out to say, hey, you know. This was a good win, but we got to figure some of this stuff out. It's going to be an easy answer, and it's going to be the same answer for offense and defense, and it's going to be called the run game. Because I, as much as we did have our flash play, and I did like, for some reason, Raheem seemed like the RB1, and then they kind of saved Edmonds for late. But I liked the balance. I didn't like how we still don't have as much of a push as I would like to see. Obviously, you know, the game script went out the window when they house the opening kickoff and then we throw an interception, but we still need to see more out of that. And we definitely need to see more out of stopping the run. Obviously 
with Lamar, you want to make sure he doesn't break outside. And I think they were almost doing too much trying to contain that they weren't pressuring him enough and trying to get directly to him enough. Yeah. Which, again, exposed us right up the middle, which has been our biggest aching pain. Whenever Jerome gets washed away in the run game, there's no one else there to help him until Javon comes down. And Javon was kind of off a little bit this game. We but, saw that we're exposed when that happens. Yeah, so, I could give a couple of them out. We were going to do studs and duds. We can give a couple defensive duds out. And you'll probably never hear me say it again, but rarely Xavier Howard was an absolute mess compared to where Xavier Howard's standards have been set for himself and for us fans. I've never yeah. seen him get cooked like that before, ever. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't believe it. For anybody listening, I was arguing hard that that was not Xavier Howard on the Bateman touchdown. That was Brandon Jones. I know for a fact that it was not Xavier I Howard. I wish. I and, wish it was, and, man. He ran it, it back, wasn't. and I'm like, oh. Shit. He got absolutely smoked. And like I was saying before when we talked about it, it just seems like it's always the technical route runners that get him. Mm-hmm. The crispy guys. It is always the technical round. Yeah, it's always Stefan Diggs, Devontae Adams. It, that's when you start De, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. You start seeing him commit penalties because he's just saying, you know, nah. That's just what it is at the position. And he can't bait them. His, his game has been able to bait people and make them feel like, yeah. you know, oh, you're open, but you're not. With those guys, they're baiting you right back, and they're they're damn good at it too. So and like, Rashad Bateman is a hell of a player, man. Got to give him his flowers. Like he's a he's a great route runner, and he's a good player. So shout out to him for having a little breakout game. I want to say another one was Javon Holland had a real weak game. He took some really yeah. bad angles. Um, he tried to hit the hit stick one too many times when he should have been worried about wrapping up. Was out of position on a on the Rashad Bateman play as well. He had yeah. he had bit into um, wow, Bills Bills look really good. Bills just yeah, had that, a pick that six. You just saw Tannehill. the Milano play. Yeah, yeah. Wow, Malik Willis time. Yeah, Tannehill's gonna, gonna have to be taken out here. But um, Javon Holland was also just just absolutely a poor performance out of him. He was out of position on that same play. He was supposed to be the second help for uh, when Xavier Howard got beat by Rashad Bateman and instead mm -hmm. he was like two seconds too late at watching where the ball had been thrown and he was way too committed to Mark Andrews um I don't know if that was Boyer saying to do that or what the deal was but uh neither one of them could chase that guy down either which you hate to see somebody that's fast knowing that Xavier Howard has some burners on him too and they just couldn't catch him they couldn't catch Lamar Jackson um, I mean, Lamar's good for one of those every game, so I can't be too mad about yeah. that. But all in and all, Bateman's Bateman's also like low key one of the faster guys in the league. Lamar's the fastest quarterback in the league. Like, yeah. it's okay, you know. There's other athletes on the other side of the field as well. Xavier Howard isn't the best corner in the league because he's the fastest corner in the league. Like, there's other guys way faster than him. He's the best because he's the best at shadowing and baiting people and hitting his cues but them hands like he also said, dropped an interception speaking of having them hands he dropped a bona fide pick six to seal the game that's one that week five six seven x when he's fully in rhythm is that's crib you know what i mean yeah it's i was two, shocked maybe yeah. a little rust but absolutely shocked <sighs> to see that happen like i 
I always say there's there's a couple certainties in life, and it's death, taxes, and Xavier Howard's going to get his every game, once a game, and he just didn't this time. It was like the IRS slipped up and let me get away with some. Yep. Damn, Malik Willis almost threw a pick on his first throw. That would have been wild. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I uh, I tried to bail X out on that, too, and act like it wasn't him, but it happens, and it's crazy to see that he didn't have a play in a game like this and win it for us, you know? We all expect him to get the strip fumble or yeah. pick it off or do something, and, bro, the offense bailed X out. I was just about the to say. The offense bailed Ogba out. That brings like, me to the next thing that I was going to say. All last year, we looked to have a pretty elite defense. That's, you know, there's stat lines that would support it, and there's stat lines that would dismiss that notion that they were an elite defense. But they were a bend-don't-break style defense that relies on turnovers. And you could say a defense that relies on turnovers isn't gonna has no longevity, but when they led the NFL for 22 games straight with the longest streak of having a turnover consecutively in a game and they led the league in interceptions and they you know have ball hawks and forced fumbles and and it is consistent then that is a style of defense that was built to succeed that way right and we saw our offense be so bad last year that our elite defense would play more in the second half than some defenses had to play in the entire game because of our offense's inability to stay on the field. And by the fourth quarter, our defense has played like 60-something minutes straight of game time. They are gassed. They can't. It's not even fair to rely on them to try and stop some of the stuff that you see happening. And it's, it's just been so great to have watched a game even though it came at the expense of the defense breaking down over and over and over again in the first half especially, but to see the offense say, hey, we got you. You know, because that was what happened all last year was the opposite. The Rams game, the Niners game in 2020 and uh, last year, 2021, like, you know, the Bucks beat us, but it was a one-score game in the fourth quarter. The first time we played the Bills, it was a one-score game in the – starting the second half you know the defense gave you that and the offense just kept them on the field too long and then we started to lose against great teams and we just watched the opposite occur we just watched the defense get just boat raced blown out of the water and the offense say that's all good we got it we will win the shootout for you and actually now we're dangerous on both sides of the ball i hope that this isn't going to be a repeat thing that we see happen very often from the defense um, it's, uh, well, I will say if we're going to talk about duds, my dud on defense would probably be Jalen Phillips. This was a game and this is a season where I'm pretty big on him. And I think like we live and die by his sack numbers. He pits up big numbers and compliments Ogba properly. We have a top three to five defense. And if he doesn't, we're just, you know, run of the mill. We're solid, but we're not you know, elite, elite. Yeah, he needs and to figure it out. And Emmanuel washed was a little yeah. non-existent. That, and that's why well. that's why I feel like maybe it was part of the game plan. They're like, yo, let's contain. Let's not worry about just like, you know, bull rushing him and getting straight to it. But It like, makes sense because if you, if once Lamar Jackson feels pressure and does one spin or goes one way is when, you know, 
the unpredictable happens, stuff that you can't coach for. So it would make sense yeah. for that to have been game planned. Hope to see it against the Bills, especially since the Ravens were supposed to have been missing offensive line pieces. They had a rookie out there. It was supposed to be an absolute. They didn't even hold up versus the Jets. So I was shocked. I don't want to see that versus the Bills. Send the goddamn house at that. Oh, no, no. I mean, I want to see how it works out versus the Bills. We're going to drop an episode later this week previewing the Buffalo Bills game. There'll be a lot to take into consideration. Currently, we're watching the Buffalo Bills beat the Tennessee Titans 41-7 to um, with one minute left in the <laughs> third quarter. They are losing so badly that they have benched Ryan Tannehill and Malik Willis is playing. Um, the Bills are firing on all cylinders. So tune in later this week before the game on Sunday. We'll probably have it out to you guys around Thursday talking about what we can expect out of this matchup. Um, any last words for this one, Sut? Great win. Not going to have any complaints out of me out of that. Let's stay consistent. I'm now, now that we're starting to come down a little bit and like we're looking at reality and like you said, it's 41-7 right now, uh, this is what we got next. So great team win. Way to come back. Let's not get down that far again, especially not against this guy, cause yeah, <laughs> yeah, nah. he looks he's looking dangerous. But no, thank you. Make sure but you yeah. follow the podcast on Twitter at Day One the Number Dolphins. Leave us a review, even if you hate us. Just throw a little five star on it, you know. <laughs> we got five stars from Bills Mafia, yo. Like, yeah, we did. You so can hook it up. We'll have to be a, that much more respectful this week because of that one review. Uh, follow me on Twitter at YFinsYY. Follow Chief Sut at Chief Sut. Follow the podcast Twitter. We love you guys. Much loves. Enjoy this win. Crack a beer, a bottle of Cabernet. In- inhale something illegal. I don't know whatever it is you want to do, but enjoy this one, guys. Thumbs up. Peace. Miami has a dolphin, the greatest football team. We drink the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins.